What is story cohesion? This is a term I bat around a lot. I've used it a lot on the podcast and when talking about writing great fiction, right? I kind of didn't realize that I hadn't defined it until someone asked me exactly what I meant by it. It's just one of those things, you know, it makes sense in my head, but sometimes we don't realize that when we say something, other people may not completely understand what we mean in context. Well, today I'm going to define what story cohesion is and talk about why it's so important if you want to succeed as a fiction author and also how to achieve it. So stay tuned. Hi there, aspiring fiction author. Welcome to Fiction Author Business School. Do you want to write your stories with ease and confidence? Do you find yourself Googling how to write a fiction book or how to write a character arc? Do you want to create a fiction empire, but you can't even finish the story you're currently working on and you find yourself doubting it will even be good enough? Hi, I'm Liesl. I too have been writing stories since I was just a kid. I wanted to do something about my fiction writing dreams, but got information overload every time I looked for writing help because there's just so much out there on the internet. I wanted confidence that I wouldn't disappoint my readers and a plan to publish regularly. I knew the foundation of any author career, including the marketing aspect, is a stellar and well-written story, but I didn't know how to be sure that my story was solid. I went on a journey to figure out what really makes readers tick and how to incorporate those addictive elements into my story. In this podcast, you'll find specific tactical fiction writing tips, solutions to writing more words more efficiently, and secrets to mastering your author mindset. So put on your fuzzy slippers, grab a notebook and pen and some chocolate, and let's write some fiction. All right, so let's talk about story cohesion. Uh, if you take off the story part and just look up the word cohesion, the definition is the action or fact of forming a united whole. All right, so it, cohesion just means everything has to be whole, it has to be united. Um, basically, it all has to serve the same purpose, right? So how do we apply this to story? If you want story cohesion, it means the same thing, that it all has to work together for achieving the same aim, okay? So within a story, what that looks like is the end has to match the beginning. The beginning and the end have to go together with the middle. The story needs to proceed logically from beginning to end, and the entire thing, every aspect of your story needs to work together to accomplish the same thing. Now, Explaining it like that, that might sound like a tall order, but I promise that when you know how to craft your story from the start, it's not as hard as it sounds, okay? You, you just have to know exactly how to do it. And then you, like anything else, you learn how to do it and you start to do it pretty naturally. So why is having a super cohesive story important? Well, there's two different ways that we can talk about this from the reader standpoint and then from your standpoint as the author. So let's talk about readers first. The reason that story cohesion is so important where the reader is concerned is because it creates catharsis, all right? It creates a lot of emotion in the reader when um, the story is cohesive from beginning to end, and that creates reader satisfaction. And of course, we want that because it's going to bring the readers back to us again and again to read our stories. It also creates uh, what I decided to call poetic symmetry. I mean, it's kind of like poetic justice, but... It doesn't necessarily have to do with justice or, you know, the bad guy getting his comeuppance or anything. It just means the story just makes sense. And the reader can, it's not even so much that they can predict where it's going. You know, maybe they can, maybe they can't. But when something happens, it just makes sense. Okay, so let's talk about an example. Um, I talk about The Princess Bride a lot, right? 
the reason Inigo Montoya's story is so compelling is because it has a lot of cohesion, okay? We learn at the very beginning who he is, what happened to his father, and that he has this lifelong quest to get revenge on the man who killed his father, and then throughout the story, everything he does, even if he, you know, as the character is not aware of it, is pointing him to a place where he is going to be able to face down his father's killer. And then we actually see that at the end, okay? So this is very much in line with setting something up and then paying it off. And it creates this beautiful symmetry to the story where, to a certain extent, the reader, even if it was only on a subconscious level, always knew the story was going there. And then when it does, it creates this, ah, yeah, that was a great story, you know, and that's what we're looking for. Um, Another way that this can manifest is just the reader being able, like I said, being able sometimes to figure out something that's going to happen. And I don't mean in a way that's like they're going to predict the ending or, um, you know, like they, like your story's too predictable. I don't mean like that. I mean more like when they're in a situation, they remember something that you've already set up. And so it suddenly dawns on them. It clicks what's going to happen in the scene. So this happened to me once. Uh, well, it's happened many times, but when I was watching the movie World War Z with my sister, the one with Brad Pitt. So this is not the book. This is the movie. And they talked about early on in the movie how, and this is going to be spoilers for this movie. So if you don't want to hear, then skip ahead. But they talked about how the zombies in that movie would not attack each other, and there were certain people they did not attack, and it was because, you know, maybe they had a strain of the virus in their blood, and the zombies could sense that, and so it would see that person as one of them and would not attack them. So then kind of near the end of the film, uh, Brad Pitt gets stuck in a room with, and there's a zombie outside, and he really needs to get past this zombie. He can't just hang out and hope the zombie leaves. Like, I think his family's in danger. There's like a clock ticking, you know, and he doesn't know how he's going to get past him. But then there's a vial of the virus. And I remember sitting and watching that with my sister and it just clicked for me. And I was like, oh, he's going to inject himself with the virus. And my sister, who was not a writer, you know, she was just watching it and she really had no idea what was going to happen. And she was like, what? And then he did it. I remember her turning to me and going, how did you know that? You know, she was just absolutely um, flabbergasted that I figured that out. And I, you know, I kind of had to train myself not to blur things like that out because I'm usually right and it sort of ruins it for the people who are watching it. Um, But that's the idea. You know, because they set something up, you can kind of see where they're going with it. And that, even though it seems like maybe it's predictable or maybe you would see it as, you know, the reader figuring it out too soon. Guys, I'm telling you, the reader actually likes that. Um, You don't want it to be so on the nose and so obvious that they're figuring out the climactic moment in the first chapter or anything like that. But when they can figure something like that out, it's it's part of the wiring of the brain. When things click and we put patterns together, it actually creates a sense of euphoria and the reader feels smart and they feel really um, in line, in tune with the story. And they love that. That actually creates a lot of catharsis and a lot of emotion. And then they want to read more of your story. So you can kind of see that story cohesion is important for the reader. It's important for your story to be successful. And the more that you can manufacture this in your story, the more successful you'll be. And readers will want to come back to your story. Okay, so from a reader standpoint, that's why story cohesion is important. Now, what about you as the author? Well, once again, it creates reader satisfaction. And for you, that means you're going to have more fans, more mega fans, more downloads, more sales, better reviews. And you're going to have readers that just come back to your work again and again, because they know you know how to tell a great story. And, you know, it's one of those things you're not going to hear this term in 
uh, you know, reviews. They're not going to say, this author is great at story cohesion. No, I mean, it's it's really a subconscious thing. They just know that you told a really great story and they loved it, right? I honestly think, just as kind of a little side note, that this is the difference between authors who can write cross-genre and be super successful at it and those who can't. Because if you're not writing a deeply emotional story and you don't have a lot of story cohesion and you're not using the human template for storytelling, you can still have moderate success if you're just writing plot-driven, trope-driven kinds of stories and don't have anything deeper than that because there are people who will read those stories just because they love the genre and they love the tropes in the genre, okay? And more power to you. But if you then tried to write cross-genre, your fans have no reason to follow you because they don't really like that genre. If, on the other hand, you know how to tell a great story that really grips them and touches them and gets them in tune with your story and has cohesion, they are going to follow you to other genres, or at least a really good percentage of them will, because they know you know how to tell a story. And even if they don't read that genre, they will still want to read everything you've written because they love the way you tell stories. And I can attest to that firsthand because I write several different genres. And of course, not every single reader reads everything I write. That would not be realistic, but a good percentage of them will follow me and, and write anything I come out with because they just love the way I tell stories and they always feel emotion when they read it, you know, and I've been told that by many, many readers. And so that's how I know that. But I also know that there's plenty of people that you will hear say, oh, you shouldn't go cross genre, you know, um, you'll be starting from scratch and the audience won't follow you. And there is truth in that, especially when it comes to the marketing and a new pen name and having to grow everything, your audience. But Again, I think if you know how to tell a really good story, you're going to have a lot more fans who will follow you one way or the other. And you can, you know, we could go back and forth about that for a long time and about whether that's going to mess up your also bots and, and things like that. But I'm just saying people who know that you know how to tell a great story don't care as much about the genre. And it is because you know how to create a story with story cohesion in it. And they just they know that if they read something you write, they're going to feel something. So they're going to buy it no matter what genre it is. Okay, so just something to keep in mind. So the next question is, is it possible to manufacture this? A lot of people think that this kind of, you know, I'm calling it story cohesion, but the kind of stories that just gel and they're just so beautiful and they come together so well, people think that that's a happy accident or it's something that only talented writers, you know, quote unquote, talented writers manage to pull off. But I'm here to tell you that it's not just a happy accident and it's not just something that only certain people can manage. It's much more than that. And it can be planned and purposely manufactured and you can purposely create story cohesion. Um, if you know how to do it and you're doing it mindfully and purposefully, it's almost impossible for you to fail at being an author because you know exactly how to create that story cohesion, how to create that emotion, how to create that catharsis for your readers. And if you're making them feel something, then your book really can't fail. That's why they're here. You know what I mean? So you can learn to do this purposely and not just be guessing that hopefully your book will resonate with someone. All right. Um, so how do we do this? How do we know that our stories are cohesive? Sometimes it's, you know, we all know we have blinders on when it comes to our own work. So sometimes we don't realize that it's not cohesive. Um, I'm going to tell you some things you can do to, you know, kind of give yourself a checks and balances so that you do know that. But first, I want you to envision something. I'm going to go into a little bit of a metaphor here and just go with me because this is a really good way to think about story cohesion. Let's say that you decide you want to bake some cookies. Now, there are lots of different types of cookies out there. Um, 
I just kind of came up with the first three that you know, popped into my head. I'm a baker, and so I bake lots of different kinds of cookies. But let's just go over a few different kinds. Um, there are drop cookies, which are your basic, you know, chocolate chip cookie, that sort of thing. Basically, when you make drop cookies, the general way that most recipes work is that you first cream together the wet ingredients. Usually you start with butter and sugar, or whatever the fat is, and then the sugar, and then you add eggs and vanilla, so it's all the, the wet ingredients, and then you add the dry ingredients, which is flour, baking soda, you know, anything else that might be going in. And then after that, you add in the add-ins, which would be candy or chocolate chips or whatever and they got their name drop cookies because you drop them by a spoonful onto the cookie sheet and usually these bake for 10 to 20 minutes just depending on the recipe okay then you have a different kind you have something called shaped cookies these would be something like shortbread cookies or sugar cookies they're called shaped because you can actually roll them out into different shapes right um the basic recipe works usually pretty much the same way with slightly different um either slightly different ingredients or slightly different uh, ratios of ingredients. So maybe powdered sugar instead of sugar, maybe uh, more butter or lard than the drop cookies would be, you know, something like that. But the, what happens with a shaped cookie is it creates a much wetter dough, okay? So it doesn't come together and pull away from the side of the bowl like a drop cookie would. And generally, you have to put it in the fridge for anywhere from an hour to overnight, and you have to let it kind of solidify in the fridge and harden. Then when you take it out, that's when you shape it. You can do it by shaping it into balls with your hands or you can roll it out and use cookie cutters I mean there's you know literally the sky's the limit and then you bake them they usually bake for a little bit less time than drop cookies more like 8 to 12 minutes um, again just depending on the recipe so that's a different kind of cookie and it has a completely different kind of recipe so I'm gonna talk about one more kind here and it's no bakes no bakes are <laughs> not everybody knows what a no bake cookie is um, there's a, speci a specific kind that I grew up on that my mom made all the time and it's an old pioneer recipe right you they're called no bakes because you do not bake them in the oven you cook them on the stove um, you still I was thinking about it and I was going well you still start with wet ingredients but really it doesn't have any dry ingredients not not the typical dry ingredient you put together the wet ingredients which is sugar um, butter, milk, and a little bit of cocoa. You boil it, bring it to a boil, and boil it for two or three minutes, and then you add in thickeners. It's not dry ingredients, it's oatmeal and peanut butter that are the thickeners. And then you drop them onto uh, a cookie sheet and you let them set up. So again, you're not gonna cook them. And they're not really like drop cookies because they're very liquidy. You know, a drop cookie is thick and you can drop it and it plunks like Play-Doh like Play or something. Um, these no-bakes, they're more like putting liquid onto the sheet in little blobs. <laughs> And then they set up and harden as they cool, right? So that's, again, a completely different kind of cookie recipe. All right, so what the heck does all of this have to do with story cohesion? I want you to imagine that you, like I said, decide that you want to make cookies. And you're not really sure what kind you want to make yet. So you're going, okay, well, I'm going to start the beginning with, I'm going to start with a drop cookie. So I'm going to cream together the wet in ingredients. And then after that, you go, you know... I think for the middle part of my cookie recipe, I'm gonna do the shaped cookie. So I'm just gonna plop this in the fridge. And you leave it in the fridge for a little while. Then you take it out and you go, you know, for the end, I think I'm gonna do the no-bake recipe. So I'm gonna put this on the stove and boil it. <laughs> I can tell you right now, if you cream together ingredients, put them in the fridge and then boil them, you are going to have a hot mess, okay? It is not going to work. You're probably gonna start a fire and set off all the fire alarms. It's gonna be smoking, it's gonna be bad, okay? And why? because you didn't stick to one recipe. You tried to do all three and they don't work together. 
that's not the way that cookies work, right? You need to decide which type of cookie you want to make. And, you know, understand within each of these drop cookies, shape cookies, no bakes, there are probably dozens, if not hundreds of recipes that fall under that um, umbrella, right? So I'm not saying you have to stick to one recipe or that you can't make variations on a recipe. I mean, the details and add-ins and things like that are what make cooking fun and creative. And you can discover new tastes and new textures and all of that is fabulous. But you can't try to make a shaped cookie when you really want a drop cookie. And you can't try to use the no-bake recipe to make a drop cookie if you don't want a no-bake cookie. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. And story cohesion is the same way. You need to decide what kind of story you're telling. You need to decide what the end product is that you want. And you need to make sure that everything within your story points toward that end goal so that everything is helping your character get there. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a hot mess. And I got news for you. Nobody wants to eat that cookie. (laughs) You're going to lose all your readers. They're not going to want to finish the book. They're not going to get to the end, to the really cool part at the end that you're planning. And they're not going to pick up anything by you again because it's just a hot mess and it didn't make them feel anything. And they're going to go find an author who does know how to create story cohesion and read their books. Um, So I think you can probably figure out that in this analogy, (laughs) the recipe is your story, okay? You can't be jumping back and forth and to and fro and expect that your reader is going to follow you and that you're going to get the outcome that you want and that it's going to make sense. You need to figure out where you're going and then just make sure that every single part of your story, and that means every character, every world building detail, every subplot, every scene, every event, all of it is guiding your character toward that final outcome. And if there's anything in your story that does not serve that final outcome, you need to either cut it or find some way to make it relevant so that it does serve that end outcome, right? So finally, how do we actually achieve this? It's one thing to say it's what we need, but how do we achieve it? Well, I mean, it's pretty much what every writing course is about in detail, which means we could take hours and hours and hours and hours to discuss it. But just for the sake of brevity, um, I'm just going to give you a few pointers here. Number one is to make sure that you're following the human template for storytelling. I've discussed this, <laughs> beaten it to death on my podcast, okay? There, are, there is a certain way that human beings absorb story. There are certain elements that we are looking for. And a lot of people don't like to write within the framework of that story because they feel like it's too formulaic and we're squashing your creativity. And that's just such a backward way to think. Not only because if you follow the human template for storytelling, will your every book you have succeed? (laughs) And I don't know why you wouldn't want that. But the creativity actually is enhanced by putting limits on it. You know, we've talked about this before. If you can just go willy nilly anywhere you want, that actually implodes your story cohesion. And it's harder for the reader to follow. And it it just doesn't gel, you know, it doesn't set up like the no bake cookie. But if you have certain parameters like genre, like, you know, plot points or whatever it is you want to use to write your story and then use those to create amazing creative details within those frameworks. That's where the real beauty and the real craft of storytelling comes. So give yourself those limits as a challenge, as a test to make sure that even within them, you can tell a story that's going to knock your reader's socks off, right? So please, please do everything you can to follow the human template for storytelling. The other thing is, like I said, to make sure that everything in your story points to the same outcome. Now to get a little bit more detailed here, I kind of thought about different parts of your story and what you need to focus on. 
the two main outcomes that you're going to be focusing on for your story is the climactic moment or the climactic showdown between the hero and the villain or antagonist and the events that happen there. Okay. So that's number one. The second thing that you're going to, the second outcome that you're going to be, you know, heading toward is your character's inner transformation, how they are going to change and, you know, their change, their inner change should affect the climactic moment and how they achieve victory or not in that moment. So it's all kind of connected, but anything to do with your character any of the characters in the book, really, anything emotional or, you know, inside them. So logical, mental, psychological, spiritual, any of that, it needs to point toward your character transformation. So anything that you come up with in the story, any scene, any, you know, anything you're writing about, it needs to be pointing your character toward their ultimate transformation in some way, shape or form. Okay. Um, Anything to do with the plot, obviously, is going to be leading toward that climactic scene. Anything to do with world building, again, it um, needs to, it's mostly plot driven, but it needs to have something to do with what's going to happen in the climactic scene. I'm going to give you an example of this in just a minute. Um, Anything to do with romance, that's pretty internal, so that would be pointing toward your character transformation, okay? So what you need to do is, with any element of your story, again, any character, any world building detail, any scene you're working on, you just need to ask yourself, does this point my character toward the ultimate transformation or that ultimate climactic scene. If it does, you know, figure out how, make sure that you you do understand that this is relevant to the story, that it is serving your story, it's serving a purpose in some way. If it's not, like I said, you can either cut it or you can find some way to make it relevant. Because I, you know, I've talked about this before too. I am a big proponent of if you have an emotional reaction to something and you want to put it in your story, there are ways to figure out how to put it in your story. There are, you just have to make it relevant, right? And, you know, you might need to change it. You might need to tweak get or twist it a little bit and you know you could try and try and try and it doesn't work and you finally end up cutting it and that's fine too um but if you really really want to keep it in there's always a way to figure out how to make it relevant and keep it in so let me give you an example of this um i I guess of story cohesion in general so one of my favorite moments in the harry potter movies um And I I honestly don't remember if this is in the book, so I would have to go back and read it. It's been a few years since I read Harry Potter. But in the end-ish of the eighth movie, which would be the seventh book, right in the middle of the battle, when all the big fighting and everything is happening at Hogwarts, there's a part where Harry, Ron, and Hermione are running around the school, running around the battlefield, kind of, and they're, you know, trying to figure things out, trying to, you know, figure out how to take out Voldemort, all that. And there's this one sequence that I've always really loved where they kind of almost run into all of the creatures that they fought every year at the school. And part of the reason I love this particular scene is that the music is really, really lovely. Um, But I've always felt like that was such a great narrative moment for the story. And really what it's showing us is a lot of story cohesion. But even before I thought of that term you know I just remember thinking this is such a cool moment because it's review it's yeah it's reviewing everything they've already been through so first they kind of come up against a troll and have to sort of duck when it swings at them and and then they run away from him and then they come up against the spiders that's book two the troll is book one um you know and the spiders are around and they kind of have to throw some spells at a few of them and then run away from them and then the dementors come the dementors were book three and so it's not only reviewing everything they've been through and this is something that's good, you know, when you're telling especially a long story over a series to show that they've become stronger, that they've overcome the things that were difficult for them to overcome in earlier books. But it shows a lot of story cohesion. I mean, J.K. Rowling 
is perfectly justified in going off on a tangent about spiders, the giant spiders in book two, not only because it served the story in book two, but these were evil creatures that were going to be fighting in the final battle. So this is what I'm talking about when I say if you have something that you want to include, you know, hypothetically, say you're J.K. Rowling and you thought about these giant spiders and you think it's a super cool storyline, you're going, eh, but is that just a tangent? Is it something that's really relevant? Is it going to really make my story cohesive? All you have to do is make sure that you're tying it into the finale, okay? So if these stories are going to be in the finale and they're going to be some of Voldemort's minions and the kids are going to have to fight them and the good wizards are going to have to fight them, boom, story cohesion. It's not that hard, right? You can just figure out how to tie it in and... Again, that creates a lot of catharsis for the reader because they recognize that. They know that. And our brains are so good at making connections and pulling memories that as soon as they see that, they remember without, you know, actually having to consciously go through it or anything. But they remember everything that happened in book two. They remember that these have been fought before and they go, oh, the spiders are there. And now they're fighting them and the troll and the uh, Dementors all at the same time. And it just creates so much emotion, you know, in the final battle about how difficult this is. And we're seeing, you know, the characters growth on so many levels. And it just creates this really amazing story cohesion. So that's what I mean. Just take anything that you are looking for that you're worried if it doesn't serve your story, you can figure out how to tie it in, but you either need to figure out how to tie it in or you need to cut it because anything that doesn't serve the story is going to make it not cohesive. It's going to make it clunky and you're going to lose your reader and they're going to say, okay, what was the point of that chapter? That did absolutely nothing for the story. And that is not going to help you as an author. (laughs) It's not going to help gain you fans. It's not going to help get you downloads. You know what I mean? You're going to end up with bad reviews. So don't do that. This is what story cohesion is. All right. So I've rambled on for a bit. I think I will leave it there. But I would just challenge you to make sure that story cohesion is front of mind when you're writing, when you're planning. Make sure everything fits. Make sure everything points toward that toward that uh, final outcome, the internal character transformation and the external climactic showdown, you know, the plot. And if it doesn't right now, then figure out how to make it relevant. And if you can create that story cohesion, you can create lifelong reader fans because once again, they will come back to you time and again because they know that you know how to tell a great story. You have story cohesion and that will always make them feel something and therefore it will always be worth it for for them to buy your book. Okay. All right. Everybody have a wonderful day. Happy story cohesioning. (laughs) Totally a word. And I will be back on Thursday. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. Before you go, would you be willing to do me a solid? If you found any value at all in this episode today, would you be willing to share it with other authors just like you in the hopes that they might find some value in it as well? Happy story crafting this week. Remember, only you can bring the world the unique story that you are trying to tell. Only you can succeed in your own unique way in getting it out of your mind and your heart and into a medium where it can reach thousands if not millions of salivating readers. You don't have to worry about failure because there is always a market for awesome.